Before we get started, we want to let you know that AHR Interview is available to stream and subscribe to on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. To find us, use the search term American Historical Association. Welcome to AHR Interview, a production of the American Historical Review. I'm Daniel Story. In this episode, we speak with Brandon R. Byrd about his work in African-American and African diaspora intellectual history. His first book, forthcoming from the University of Pennsylvania Press, is titled The Black Republic, African-Americans and the Fate of Haiti. Byrd is assistant professor of history at Vanderbilt University. He also currently serves as vice president of the African-American Intellectual History Society, and is a contributor to that organization's online publication, Black Perspectives. The African American Intellectual History Society is a scholarly organization dedicated to the research, writing, and teaching of black thought and culture. Founded in 2014 by Christopher Cameron, it has quickly become a hub of cutting-edge, cross-disciplinary public scholarship. In addition to publishing Black Perspectives, it offers a range of fellowships, awards, and prizes, and hosts an annual conference, which in March 2019 will be held at the University of Michigan. Bird sat down with AHR associate editor Michelle Moyd and AHR editor Alex Lichtenstein. Well, uh, it's really great to have you here, Brandon uh, Brandon Bird from Vanderbilt University Department of History. Uh, and we wanted to just ask you some questions about your own research and also get you to tell us a bit about your work with the African American Intellectual History Society, of which you are a part and uh, in, the le- in a leadership role in the organization. So could you start off maybe by telling us um, about what you did here at the AHA? Sure. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me in this, this opportunity to talk with you all. Uh, uh, yesterday, I was on a panel, uh, New Narratives on Haiti. It was one of three panels put together, uh, actually, by uh, Aaron Zavitz and uh, Nathan Dyes put together two for the AHA and one for uh, MLA. And on our panel, I presented on uh, this class of cases of descendants of African-American immigrants to uh, Haiti, to 19th century Haiti, where they're making claims for U.S. citizenship, actually, despite being born in Haiti, never having returned to the United States, uh, and really being assimilated uh, into Haitian life and culture. And uh, these classic cases go before uh, the U.S. diplomat in Haiti at the time, an African-American, and I was really trying to figure out what these cases mean for uh, how we understand black citizenship, ideas about belonging uh, in the 19th century Atlantic world. Okay. How did you come across that, uh, the topic? What What was the seed? Uh, so I stumbled across them sort of inadvertently in uh, uh, the papers of U.S. Foreign Relations, uh, National Archives, and I, w- I wasn't looking for them. Right? I, I'm not trained in legal history in this sort of this field of international law. Uh, it was just happenstance in the course of I was interested in, in Powell, uh, William F. Powell, as the African American diplomat at the time in Haiti. And he figures in my first book, uh, The Black Republic, African-Americans and the Fate of Haiti, where I'm looking at uh, how black intellectuals uh, in the United States grapple with uh, the meaning of uh, Haiti and Haitian independence in this uh, long post-emancipation era that follows the U.S. Civil War. 
So maybe from there, if you could tell us what led you to the African-American Intellectual History Society and how you became involved in in the work of this young organization. Yeah, uh, I guess it's a story of knowing the right people, really. Uh, so in 2014, uh, Christopher Cameron, uh, an associate professor at uh, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, and uh, a friend of mine from grad school at UNC Chapel Hill, uh, just came to me, I don't know, emailed me with this idea. He said, hey, I'm starting this new organization, African-American Intellectual History Society. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be sort of first scholarly organization dedicated to the study of black uh, thoughts. Uh, we're going to try to really make it engage with the public uh, in large part by having this online platform and would like you to be a part of it, would like you to come on board as uh, one of our first bloggers. What do you think? I said, sold. <laughs> it, it sounds phenomenal. Uh, I didn't, can't say that I necessarily saw, foresaw uh, just the energy that it could bring to the field and where it could take us five years later. Uh, but at the time, it definitely seemed like something worthwhile and something that could really, uh, really add to the field because I wasn't, uh, I didn't see that type of thing happening, especially among scholars that saw themselves as intellectual historians who did intellectual history, I didn't really see that engagement with some of the questions that African-Americanists were asking. So that leads me into a question um, about how you and the AIHS collective define African-American intellectual history. And maybe if you could talk about those convergences and divergences that you see um, with this kind of subfield of intellectual history writ large? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that's part of our ongoing conversation. Uh, it was definitely a part of the conversation at our first two annual conferences, uh, the first at UNC Chapel Hill, then the second uh, at Vanderbilt, really centered around what do, what do we mean by this thing of black intellectual history? How do we do it? Uh, what does it mean to do it? How do we define it? And uh, I should say too, shameless plug, the, these conferences are culminating in edited volumes that really get at that question about what we mean by black intellectual history. So the first just came out with uh, Northwestern University Press. Can you say a bit more about the topic? The first volume is uh, New Perspectives on the Black Intellectual Tradition. Uh, it came out of our first annual conference edited by Christopher Cameron, uh, Keisha Blaine, our current president, and uh, Ashley Farmer, our uh, uh, current treasurer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second volume, forthcoming 2020, Expanding the Boundaries of Black Intellectual History, uh, which comes out of the second conference at Vanderbilt. And in both of those, I think what comes out of it is uh, first, a, an understanding of the ways in which this broader field of intellectual history hasn't necessarily been responsive to African-Americanists and uh, black scholars practicing in the field. It's largely been defined as, um, you know, I hesitate to speak in these broad gener generalities, but I do think it's true that it's been defined as the study of uh, sort of great thinkers, self-defined intellectuals, college educated, predominantly whites, uh, who put their ideas into writing, who put their ideas into writing quote unquote great works, 
right? Uh, and that is certainly the case for some of the black intellectuals that figure prominently in our field, right? It's certainly true of W.B. Du Bois, for example, right? Uh, so then I should say that this field has also been defined as masculine too, right? Uh, so I would say one thing that differentiates what we try to do uh, is really take it out of this sort of elite and masculine, often masculine, uh, domain, right? To study the ideas of not only sort of self-defined intellectuals, but um, you know, how did enslaved people think about themselves in their world? What ideas and symbols do they use to uh, make sense of their lives and their realities, right? Uh, what did, uh, you know, for somebody like Devarian Baldwin, who was the keynote speaker at our conference at Vanderbilt, uh, uh, what does it mean to uh, to use cons to view consumer practices as a form of intellectual thought, right, or intellectual practice, right? Uh, so really, uh, trying to look at look at thought in the terms that black people, working people, uh, people who are on the margins of this broader field of intellectual history, uh, how do they define thought? So can I jump in here? So, I mean, this is a fascinating reconfiguration of intellectual history writ large. Can you sort of speak to the same issues within African-American history, which I think has traditionally yeah. focused on social and political history rather yeah. than intellectual history or black thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll just point to the work of two of my good friends and colleagues who are also, uh, you know, the leadership of AIHS, uh, Keisha Blaine and Ashley Farmer, uh, who both have both put out books uh, recently. Uh, and uh, for Ashley's rethinking black power and uh, black women uh, in uh, in the practice and uh, theorization of black power. And uh, Keisha Blaine was doing the same uh, sort of work in an earlier era for black nationalism, right? So uh, what I think is a, a real key intervention that links both of their works and what speaks to the, the work that AIHS tries to accomplish is in both of their cases, whether it's black nationalism in the early 20th century or whether it's black power uh, in the long 60s, black women have figured in that history, not clearly not as much as they should. When they have shown up, it's really as rank and file uh, women doing sort of doing the legwork, right? Organizing, et cetera, right? And what uh, Keisha and Ashley both show is, yes, that's true, right? And we need to show how important these black women were to uh, black nationalist organizations and the black power movement. What we also need to do is understand how they are producing the theories and the ideas that drive these movements, right? Uh, that it's not just the case that they are, uh, that they're activists and that they're doers, all that's true, but they're also thinkers. And are there predecessors to you? Uh, so, I mean, the names that come to my mind would be Sterling Stuckey, yeah. Moses Wilson, yeah. or maybe Adolf Reed, but I, I wonder if there are sort of traditions that you, as an organization and as and scholars, are trying to build on quite self-consciously. Yeah, yeah. 
No, there's no question about that. Uh, I think it's it's fair to say the case is that uh, African Americanists and black scholars have always done this work of intellectual history. Uh, that work has not always been recognized as intellectual history, right? Uh, it's the case for, uh, I for just one example, broad example, uh, biography has been a, a, a fundamental staple of uh, especially the early practitioners of African-American history. Uh, in many cases, the work of this sort of vindicationist uh, practice of history. Um, but it, these are intellectual biographies in a lot of cases, right? Uh, yeah, they're biographies that are certainly meant to do some work, quote unquote, on behalf of the race in writing black people into history, uh, but they're also trying to get at the ways in which, um, you know, Frederick Douglass understood himself in his world, right? Uh, Booker T. Washington understood himself in his world, right? Um, could you say something about the, perhaps, what kinds of methodologies or sources um, have enabled the production of African-American intellectual history that would have been overlooked or not considered legitimate in other kinds of things that are called intellectual history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's one thing that also defines uh, what we try to do as an organization and what we try to do as a, as a field, uh, black intellectual history, is um, use a, a wide range of methodologies, right? Um, so looking beyond Certainly, looking beyond the the written word, uh, you know what's what enters the the written archive uh, into cultural practices. Uh, so, in many ways, that sort of blurs a line uh, between what what you know may be seen as intellectual history and cultural history, right? So, looking at cultural practices and symbols and language and. Uh, uh, see how we can, uh, you know, pull these broader ideas, these broader understandings uh, that black people had of themselves and their world out of them. Uh, so think of an example here. Uh, well, this is not in relation to those uh, cultural practices, but uh, one area of really rich uh, sort of uh, a rich pushing of the boundaries uh, that's happening right now, I think, is in the uh, the realm of the digital humanities. Right, so our, for our current volume, uh, we have a, a whole section uh, that's on um, sort of how to use uh, digital tools to uh, as a form of black intellectual practice and as a way to, to understand black intellectual practice. So scholars like Jessica Marie Johnson, uh, uh, who are doing incredible work in that field. And so we're trying to, uh, trying to capture that right now, right? Uh, I would say methodologically, beyond looking at these new innovative uh, digital tools, beyond looking at things like uh, cultural practices, uh, I think black intellectual history also has a sort of, uh, I won't say inherently, 
but uh, certainly a transnational quality. And these are things that scholars like Robin Kelly, they, they said, they pointed out, right? Um, you know, for, for people whose, whose very history is rooted in migration, um, forced migration, that this work involves a sort of uh, a fluidity across national boundaries and uh, their archives and languages um, that I, I think um, is not necessarily unique, but it certainly takes on a different uh, sort of significance in our field. So it seems to me, Brandon, that this is not just an intellectual or scholarly project, although it certainly is, but also very self-consciously a professional project, right? To create a space for new voices that haven't always been heard in the profession uh, to the degree that they should be. And also, as, as, uh, as you began, to, to create an outlet for a more public-facing kind of scholarship. So could you talk about this as, as a professional project? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think what... How we conceptualize this as a professional project is really captured in uh, in many of our initiatives that are connected both to our online platform and also to our conference. Uh, so for our online platform, for Black Perspectives, uh, we have, we just brought on board five new editorial assistants. And the idea is that uh, for these junior scholars, graduate, largely graduate students, that this is a way to tap into this larger community uh, and also a way to really build up uh, this type of skills that you may or may not get in their graduate program, right? And I think the ways that that has helped them build up these type of uh, editorial skills, um, help them with their engagement in the field, uh, is what they've, they've gone on to do. So a couple of these edit one, one editorial assistant is now managing editor, black perspectives, uh, which is a position, uh, it's a lot of responsibility in that position, right? Uh, it's a blog that gets 10,000 readers a day that has, uh, 50 contributors now. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're hard at work. Uh, trying to piece together the various book reviews, roundtables, uh, work with this wide-ranging, large community of scholars there. Uh, so that's one way. I, I see this as a professional project. Uh, so uh, just to follow up on that, yeah. I mean, one of the things that's so great about it and that I think has made it so meteoric is that uh, you know most of the time we get a new scholarly initiative, a new scholarly society. Mm -hmm. First thing, oh, let's form a journal. Yeah, but yeah. that but that takes a certain infrastructure, right. and AIHS was able to bypass that and say, no, let's form a media platform, yeah. a blog, and that made it much easier to draw people in much more quickly. So can you talk a bit about the content? I mean, yeah. what sort of stuff do you Can I add one on other there? thing there, yeah. too? I mean, it's amazing how dynamic it's been, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's every day, it seems, um, if, if you're following it, there's something new, and mm -hmm. it's very fresh and appeals you know, certainly to to me as a as a person who's kind of outside the field, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to be I want to be in there. <laughs> you know? Africa as a country might strike me as a similar yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. initiative. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's premised on the idea that there's no reason that you you can't have robust scholarly conversation 
in a, there's no reason you can't have that in a public domain. There's no reason that it has to exist behind a paywall, right? Um, and I do mean that that sort of robust part. We have an editorial board that reviews, you know, these pieces. They're, they're not just getting posted without being, uh, you know, vetted and reviewed. Uh, and, you know, it, it was one thing to sort of have that premise and uh, another thing to have the execution. So on that note, I would say uh, the real big part is first having a leadership that was really uh, just a really strong, sound leadership. So uh, Keisha Blaine uh, is a phenomenal editor. Uh, Ibram Kendi edited uh, the blog for a while. Uh, just have a keen eye uh, for that work. And then I have to give credit to the folks contributing pieces themselves, right? Uh, not only to take the time out, but to really buy into black perspectives and, and what this is, right? Uh, because I, it, I think it's true that a lot of institutions, uh, this isn't always legible, right? Oh, you contributed to this round table on black perspectives. You contributed to um, you contributed a book review there. Uh, what does this mean, right? Um, so to have that buy-in uh, from scholars has just made a crucial difference that, um, you know, whether they were uh, going to get, you know, quote unquote credit for this or not, um, that they've had the willingness to, uh, to just be a part uh, of this process and, the, and this project. Um, and uh, so on that note, I, I will add, too, that that work that, that's happening on Black Perspectives has really allowed other initiatives in the organization uh, uh, to, to take off, right? So it's helped boost membership that's then allowed us to, for example, provide travel grants for uh, junior scholars to the annual conference, right, uh, to provide prizes, some of which... Uh, article book prizes, um, you know, for the best works in the field of black intellectual history. Um, and some of these, and it also allowed us to earmark some of these prizes and awards uh, for scholars who don't have institutional support, for scholars who are at HBCUs, right, to really try to accomplish, um, you know, the goals that we set out for the organization to try to um, uh, to make the field, to not only be a leading organization in the field, but to also make the field more inclusive and better for the inclusivity. So maybe you could tell us a bit about your upcoming annual meeting and um, tell us how people find you and if they want to be involved and contribute, um, how do they do that? Yeah. So our next annual meeting, uh, our third now, uh, it's going to be at University of Michigan this March. Uh, the theme is Black Internationalism. Uh, we've got a great lineup of panels. Um, Eula Taylor is keynoting. Of course, she has her uh, her latest book is out. Uh, incredible book on uh, Black women in the Nation of Islam. And we've also got a keynote uh, luncheon talk uh, by Ibram Kendi. Right. Uh, he will, uh, I believe, be focusing not just on uh, you know, his award winning book on uh, uh, racist ideas, but also on his uh, his own personal journey as an intellectual. 
Um, so very excited for that. Uh, so I, I would certainly encourage anybody that you know, wants to get involved to, uh, there's still time to register and you know, come up to, to Ann Arbor for that meeting. Uh, otherwise, we're, we're at AIHS.org. Uh, from our site, uh, you can get to uh, Black Perspectives in our online publication. Uh, it is all, everything on Black Perspectives, free and open to the public. Uh, so uh, that's, I, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for engagement. Uh, if you like what you see, uh, well, then I would certainly not uh, discourage uh, folks from uh, going ahead and purchasing a, a membership, which uh, we try to keep at a, uh, a manageable uh, price. Uh, it's $40 uh, annually, I believe. Well, thank you so much for ch uh, chatting with us today, and we wish you well with the organization and really excited to see how it develops and grows and stay in touch. Yes, thank you, Brandon, and I hope we'll see you at the meeting in March, or we're going to try and come. So, thanks. Great. All right. Thanks so much. That was AHR Associate Editor Michelle Moyd and AHR Editor Alex Lichtenstein speaking with Vanderbilt historian Brandon Byrd. Bird currently serves as Vice President of the African American Intellectual History Society. That society's annual conference will be held at the University of Michigan on March 22nd and 23rd, 2019. You can listen to more episodes of this podcast and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Find us with the search term, American Historical Association. I'm Daniel Story, and this is AHR Interview. Thanks for listening.